I think it's the perfect way to start what occurred a few weeks ago with Archer Betterbeeve against Anthony Yard. It was Betterbeeve's seventh title defense. He has now knocked out every single opponent he has faced. And his notable names of foes he has taken on has slowly gained some traction. We'll get into what's in the future for him in a moment. But even with him starting late, uh, there was still not necessarily some pause. It was more so a prediction from the boxing fans everywhere that he was going to absolutely walk through Anthony Yard. Because if we remember years ago, Anthony Yard got knocked out by Sergey Kovalev. Mm -hmm. And that was a Sergey Kovalev that I think many would agree was over the hill. So we're we're, yeah. So we're going into this fight thinking, well, he got knocked out against a Russian over the hill and he's going up against a Russian who, even though he's his age 38, at least going into this fight, he didn't look like a 38 year old um, and Archer better beef. It was the consensus that this was going to be a walkthrough. It was not. Um, it was back and forth. In the fourth round, Yard was hurt. He recovered. The biggest problem was he kept going on the back foot. I even heard on the broadcast Andre Ward saying that he had to get off the ropes. Um, and there was a few moments even in the fourth round where Tim Bradley... <laughs> called his shot and was like, yeah, this is what he does as, a, as an indication of this is going to end soon. It didn't. It would go eight rounds. Were you – I mean, I was impressed with Anthony Yard. Um, still quite young. Uh, but it was Archer Betterbeeve being Archer Betterbeeve in his toughest test to date. Yeah. I mean, I really wasn't surprised at the outcome, nor was I surprised at the output from Anthony Yard. I remember I text you um, shortly into the first round. I facetiously said Anthony Yard is about to knock uh, better be out. (laughs) Um, I was being facetious when I said that, but more so what I was trying to indicate was I was signaling that I knew that this was going to be a tougher fight than what most people had imagined. Uh, for a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One, Anthony Yard has visibly improved since his loss to Sergey Kovalev. Um, his corner, his cornerman, his head coach has improved and taken on some different philosophies since the loss and the knockout. Um, and so I knew that, you know, him being slick, uh, him being a little bit quicker than uh, Better Beef and um, him also being a power puncher himself, I knew that it was going to present some problems. Uh, In addition to that, I went back and I looked at what are two opponents that I felt like, at least in the initial stages of the fight, gave Arthur Better Beef some type of resistance and presented an obstacle for him to overcome and it was uh, Marcus Brown Yep. Um, with the slick boxing, the fast jab, the movement, not standing in one place at the same time. And I'm um, blanking on his name right now, but it's the fight that we always 
talk about, um, and he sent this uh, gentleman into retirement. I know his, his fighting. No, uh, his fighting moniker is the nail, but, um, they Callum fought. Johnson. No, it wasn't Callum Johnson. Was it? Don't know why I'm blanking on his name. I'm going to get the, I'm going to get. All the right. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Go for, keep going. Just give me one second, but two boxers, um, uh, who with movement, with fast jab, with not letting their feet uh, get stuck in quicksand, uh, which power does to you. Um, Alexander Bostick. Yep. Um, it was Alexander Bostick, and I apologize for getting his name, um, for, for blanking on his name. So they However, fought in 2019, and he hasn't fought since. Yeah, he, he, he retired after that fight. Um, he helped Canelo, I believe, in his preparation for uh, Bivol and was kind of flirting with the the uh, the idea of a comeback, but I don't know where we're, where we are with that. Right. Um, but you know, again, just to to, to bring up that movement, um, um, pu combination punching, that gives power punchers an obstacle, mm -hmm. right? And I knew that Anthony Yar possessed those things, and I knew that he was going to be he was going to come as the best version of himself, and so I knew that in conjunction with his power punching capabilities was going to give Arthur better be an issue. What ultimately ended up happening, which you alluded to, is what gives these fleet-footed boxers problems is power punchers. Someone who doesn't mind standing in front of them and enduring all of that for the promise of what they can land in the long run. And we saw which uh, skill set prevailed that night. Definitely. When I'm looking at it, Anthony Yard has made a name for himself in the sport. Mm -hmm. And and I, as I'm looking at this, it really did feel like he was in it until the end, where the power just overcame any sort of mobility that Yard had, but also his own power being inflicted on Better Beef. Because there were moments in that fight where you know, as you alluded to, you texted me, but also just seeing the power connect with Better Beef. He has been able to be hit before. He's just yeah. always found a way to recover, stave off, and then inflict his own brutal nature. How I'm looking at this is the numbers are actually eerily similar. I mean, <laughs> the, the total landed was 136 to 111 in favor of Archer Better Beef. Yard through about 23 more punches. I thought Better Beef's jab was the biggest deciding factor because this is a jab that has flattened people before. That's how much force it has behind it. And then with the power punches, also eerily similar. 84 to 75 landed. The question now remains, as we turn the page on Anthony Yard and the Archer Better Beef novel, there's only one name that keeps being brought up, but <laughs> you even started the show with this. You're thankful for what we've seen, yet simultaneously we don't know if we're going to get the fights that we truly want to see. And this is another hurdle in this sport, which out of all of them, the NFL, the NBA, MLS, UFC, 
really major league baseball it doesn't matter the politics of the sport is the most profound out of the major sports in this country and you could even say the world there are a lot of obstacles at play for Archer Betterbeev to go and face Dimitri Bivol. Bivol has looked good, as we know. He beat Canelo Alvarez. He beat Gilberto Ramirez. Yet, Canelo has his eyes on overcoming that loss against Dimitri. They want to fight in September. Dimitri has a fight against John Ryder. And then Bob Arum is in play, who has a deal with ESPN. Bob Arum also, of course, with top rank. Eddie Hearn, opposite him, Matchroom and DAZN. How exactly does this play out with what you have, I guess, between each boxer, motives, who they've signed to, and deals within the networks? You maybe have six-ish obstacles at play. How, how does this gel out? for Dimitri Bivol to potentially meet Arthur Betterbeef? Uh, both fighters putting their foot down and, and not accepting any other offers. Uh, uh, Dimitri Bivol not being, um, not being swayed by Eddie Hearn and, you know, his, his, his charming ways. I'm sure that he's going to want a Canelo fight because Canelo wants that fight. It's right. a lot of money. For Canelo, a lot of money for Bivol and a lot of money for Eddie Hearn. So I'm sure that that's the fight he's going to instruct, uh, that he's going to, Eddie Hearn, that is, is going to instruct Bivol to take. It's going to take Bivol to say, no, I want to unify at 175 pounds. I've already taken care of business with Canelo Alvarez. He was a little guy coming up. I, 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 I already entertained a big money fight. Um, that's what that was. I want to go take care of some business and, and secure legacy. Under, um, un understood. If I may, if you were Eddie Hearn, wouldn't you advise him to take on Canelo Alvarez? Because he well, show he because from the securing the bag and legacy perspective, he could do that against Archer Betterbeev in a year when Betterbeev is more tested. Maybe takes on Callum Smith, who Eddie Hearn has lobbied for. He turns thirty nine, maybe forty at that time, and then it's easier for your fighter if you're Eddie Hearn. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that that's that's pretty much what I just said, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I know that Eddie is going to lobby for that fight heavily because it's just more money and interest in it for him. The problem with it is, is Canelo is petitioning for that fight to take place at 168 pounds. Bibble is entertaining the idea of going down to 168 pounds to become a unified super middleweight champion. I don't understand what the point of all of that is. You're a 175 pound fighter. Why are you entertaining going down to fight the guy that you just beat? I get it. It's for the money. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to understand that there are inherent risks when it when you deplete yourself that much. I don't remember the last time uh, Bibble weighed 168 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. I know he's been a 175 pound fighter for the duration of the career that I've known him on the world stage. Why would you take the risk against someone that you just beat? I already beat you. And for Canelo, Canelo shouldn't want the fight at any other weight class aside from the one that he lost in. So I'm just not that entertained by the idea of Dimitri Bivol dropping down to 168 to do what? Prove that I can right. beat you 
and at your weight class, it means nothing. And you also have to understand the politics of the sport of boxing. Now, I could be a conspiracy theorist when I say this, and uh -oh. some people read this the wrong way. Uh-oh. <laughs> but if you're if you are Eddie Hearn and it's harder to make a less lucrative Archer better be fight, less lucrative, more difficult to make because you're gonna have to deal with Bob Aaron, you're gonna have to deal yep. with different uh 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 networks. Yep. And I can convince a fighter to deplete himself to 168 and fight someone who more is more superior at that weight by belts and on paper standard and said fighter loses right at 168 pounds now i have the opportunity to promote a trilogy fight. that's right that's right now i have an opportunity to promote a trilogy and make more money in my circle of fighting and what I see is the biggest black eye to boxing that no other sport has is that line of thinking right there. Because all these promoters and all these networks want to keep the money in-house. It doesn't present the opportunity for linear storytelling. And if Arthur Betterbeef, if Arthur Betterbeef or Dimitri Bivol lose before they get to the to the to the uh, to one another. The fight is watered down. Yes. It's no longer a super fight. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So yes. just in summation here, Arthur better be has to put his foot down. I don't want to fight uh anyone else. I don't want to fight uh I think Callum Smith is his is his WBC mandatory. Mm -hmm. And then the politics of the WBC are making him jump through as a as a uh, Russian fighter saying that he has to petition to fight because he's Russian. It's complete BS because they're not doing the same thing to Dmitry Bibble, who is Russian. Fair point. Right? Yeah. So what you can see what the WBC, what Eddie Hearn are angling towards, and that is a Canelo Alvarez at least chance at redemption right. against Dimitri Bivol, which sets up a third fight. And I don't like it when you have the opportunity to close out that chapter at 175 pounds. I'm just curious, you know, it is, is it basically like you have no choice and you have to go against Canelo at 168 because we've seen that he cannot compete with the top guys like Bivol at 175? Why wouldn't he want a petition for a catch weight? Um... I mean, he could, but he couldn't get all of those titles if he petitioned at 106, if, if it was at a catch weight. Mm. And the only way you're going to get Dimitri Bivol to come south of 175 pounds is for the opportunity at being unified at two weight classes. You got to think about fighters are egoic. Not many of them can, you know, can strip their ego away and make a decision, which is why you get so many fighters who stick around past their expiration date, right? Right. I can do this one more time. I can conquer this mountain one more time. So if Dimitri Bivol within two fights, in his mind, his most egoic frame of mind, if within two fights, I can go to 168 pounds, sure, it'll be hard. Sure, the weight cut will be difficult for me, but I'll feel like a monster on fight night. I'll beat Canelo, I'll take all of his belts at 168 pounds, and then I can rehydrate back up. I can rest. 
I can go fight at 175 pounds and beat uh, uh, Arthur Betterbeeve. I can take his belt. Now I'm unified and undisputed at two weight classes. Yep. That does sound scintillating, doesn't it? Oh, without a doubt, yes. That I, sounds very enticing. I was except that we've seen this movie before. Right. I've been looking through his box rec. Everything I have seen from Dimitri Bivol has been at light heavyweight. I mean, I'm going back to 2015 at this point, and all I see is light heavyweight. So I could I couldn't even tell you the last time that he fought at 168 at least on paper. Um there's no doubt that maybe he did it previously but I mean we're going on almost 10 years at this point that he has fought at this weight. Now let me go back to something that you said. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not trying to play into this. I don't think it's conspiratorial at all. The, like this is the name of the game here. The fight game is a few things, all right, through our own minds covering this sport for a while. The first is legacy, and the second is prize fighting. Mm -hmm. It is all about how much you can make while securing your iconic status in the sport. If B-Ball were to do it, we would talk about him being one of the best. Because if we've seen anything from Canelo Alvarez, it's that he's one of the best. And the only excuse they had in the bag was, well, we can't. And, and we, we would be hypocritical to say otherwise because we talked about this. We gave Canelo Alvarez all the credit in the world for going up to 175 and taking on Dimitri Bivol, who we all okay. knew was so freaking good. We already oh, yeah. knew he was good. We talked about it. We gave him props. We like seeing those guys take a chance. Now, wouldn't the same logic have to apply? Even though it's slightly different, obviously, because Canelo Alvarez went through so many different weight classes to then reach 175. If Dimitri Bivol were trying to secure that status, we would then say, okay, well, he went and met you. And got washed. He looked tired and out of it <clears throat> by the closing rounds. Maybe by nine. He looked mm -hmm. tired. The same logic would apply to Dimitri Bivol to then take on Canelo Alvarez at his weight. And yeah. I and I understand what you're saying about because it's it's hard not to think that way, bro. With hey, if they were to fight at Canelo's weight class and then Canelo wins. Yes, it would set up a trilogy, and it would get them paid out of the ass. Let's be real about this. The money would be absolutely redonkulous. Mm -hmm. But I would want to see, personally, as a fan of the sport and as a media member of the sport, I would want to see Dimitri Bivol go down, do what Canelo did, and see if he could then take on one of the best fighters we've seen over the last, what would you say, 10 years? I'd love to see it. And it's not cons it's not conspiratorial because the trilogy would get them so much money. Think about how much Tyson got, Tyson Fury got for his last few fights. He's also saying the Usyk fight is massive, which obviously I agree with. But a Bivol Canelo Alvarez trilogy, if Canelo wins, not necessarily by knockout, but if he wins by decision, huge. I think that there's something to be said about the stat the the, the 
the cards always being stacked against you as a fighter. Okay. And you have to understand the game that you're in. You have to understand the game that you're in. Demetri Bibble is entering and flirting and doing a dance that can potentially get him hurt and bruise his legacy. You see, listen, I agree. Listen, Andre Ward, Andre Ward got out of the sport clean. And to this day, people still say, you want to come back and fight this guy? You want to come back and fight that guy? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. <laughs> the game is set up for Andre Ward to accept an, an, an absorbent amount of money to, in exchange for his health or in exchange for his legacy right. or in exchange for what he put 20 plus years into creating. Dimitri Bibble has to have that understanding. We've seen Roy Jones do this. We've seen, um, you know, a myriad of different fighters bounce around in weight. And at some point, father time, the weight gain or the weight loss catches up to you. Yep. And the promoter who's supposed to be your promoter is telling you, this is legacy. You can do this. Go for it. Meanwhile, they have ulterior motives. They're sitting up getting paid 10, 20% off of the millions that both fighters are making. So mm -hmm. they're incentivized to say this. They're not incentivized to go and do the thing that you want them to do as a fighter and say, no, I'm not going to sacrifice my health for X amount of millions of dollars when I can go secure a legacy. You mm -hmm. see, if I was Bibble, if I was his manager, if I was in his corner, I'm putting my foot down. Go and talk to Bob Arum. Make the Bibble fight, make the better B fight happen by any means necessary. I'm going to win that fight. And then maybe we can entertain doing this Canelo business. I agree with this. I don't agree with him dropping down in weight because you don't know what that does to your body. You don't know what that does to your brain. You don't know what firepower Canelo's going to bring on the night. You know, you could be severely depleted, get hurt, get clipped, and then you're never the same. Correct. And then you go and try and do something against uh, Arthur Better Beef, who's already a dangerous fight. And now you're severely, uh, uh, you know, decreased and diminished as a fighter. As a result, look at Kale Brook. He won well, the fight with Matty Golovkin at 160 pounds. Well, well. Well, 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 look at Kell Brook. Which Kell Brook are we, are we, are we looking at Kell Brook? I'm talking about, are we um, looking at him with a, with a clear dining table? <laughs> I'm talking about, I'm not getting into the, I'm not getting into Rick that. James would have something to say about this. You know that, we, right? We, we can talk about that if you, if you like. No, no, no. I, 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 hey, I, you know what? We don't look at one stroke of the butt of the brush. We look at the whole painting. Okay. All right. So I just wanted to clarify here. No, I, I get what you're saying. But um, what I'm saying is you got a Kale Brook who was, a who was undefeated at 147 pounds, IBF champion. And instead of sticking to his guns, putting his foot down and saying, make the best fights happen at 147, he let Eddie Hearn talk him into fighting Gennady Golovkin. At oh, two. my. Yes. And what happened to him? He, he got broke his, his orbital bone. He got his face broken. 
he got his face broken. And one could argue that you're never the same after an, after an injury like that. You go up and you fight Errol Spence, you get the other half of your face broken. Yeah. And now he knows what that feels like, right? You got to think about it. Gennady Golovkin broke his face, his corner threw in the towel, right? Yep. He went to fight Errol Spence and got his face broken. And what did he do? He took a knee and he never got back up again. Now he learned, now he, because he knows what that feels like, he knows how to quit. He knows when enough is enough. That That is a, oh my God, that is a rough stretch, man. From September 2016 to the summer of 2017, he lost to Gennady Golovkin and Errol Spence back to back. But who did he win? Who did, who was his fight before Gennady? Uh, Kevin. Kevin Busier, I believe. Okay, so he had a string of mandatory defenses in Europe. He had a string of mandatory defenses in Europe, and listen, life, life. Prior to that, is, though, he did beat Sean Porter. That's Carson. Right. He had a string of victories. He had a string of knockouts. He had a string of uh, victories at home where he was becoming a domestic star. Yes. And there were conversations of him fighting Floyd Mayweather, how realistic that would have been or not. Just, just hear me out here. I'm listening. I'm listening. Life is about learning from your mistakes. And so I'm not saying that Eddie didn't learn from his mistake there. But how that fight came about with Gennady Golovkin is, at the time, Eddie was contractually involved with Chris Eubank Jr. Oh, that's the right. offer came from HBO and Gennady Golovkin's team to bring Chris Eubank over to fight Gennady. Chris Eubank turned the fight down. So Eddie wouldn't lose out on his cut of the revenue. He said, Kel, you walk around heavy anyway. You want to fight this fight? It's for legacy. Fighters have done this before. He set his fighter up to get hurt. And Kell Brook was never the same. He could have, if he really cared about Kell Brook and, and not cared about the money, he could have turned Kell Brook into a huge domestic star the way that he's doing with who? Connor Ben. He's not putting Connor Ben up against fighters, you know, two weight classes above. Sure, he'd do it with Chris Eubank Jr. today, but that was because we saw what just happened to Chris Eubank Jr. Yep. He's a diminished fighter. He's at an advanced age. He's been out of the ring for years. At the point that Gennady Golovkin sent that offer to Kell Brook, he was on a tear, knocking out everybody. Yep. The point is, is that Eddie Hearn is a promoter. And it's not to say that he's a bad person, but he doesn't always have the best interest of the fighter as much as he's presenting that he does mm -hmm. it's just fact it's in it's not in what he says it's in what he does right mm -hmm. the model to turn kel brook into a domestic star is what he's doing with connor ben he doesn't put he doesn't risk connor ben taking the fight at 147 154 160 against anybody that he can lose to anybody that they think that he can lose to there are several fighters at the weight at those weight classes that if they really wanted to test his medal, they could. And they're 50-50 fights that Connor could win or that he could lose. That's they're right. not doing that. They're making him into a domestic star, feeding him old, diminished American 147 uh notable fighters and building a name off of him. Why didn't they do that for Kel? So, long story short, just to say. He doesn't care if Dimitri Bivol goes to 168 pounds, depletes himself, 
uh, by not hydrating properly or dehydrating properly. He doesn't care that his brain sits in a case of, uh, of fluid and that that's going to be significantly decreased on fight night. He doesn't care if Canelo knocks him spark out and, and he's diminished for the rest of his career. He doesn't care. Right. So do what's best for you, man. That's the point that Dimitri Bivol take the legacy route, put your foot down, make your promoter, make the fight that he should make for you at the weight class that you're most comfortable and either sail off into the sales set, uh, the sunset or entertain that after you've secured your legacy. But right now you're just unified. You're not undisputed. Right. Go undisputed. What, what's it, what's really interesting to me is if someone is listening to this, right. And they're like, Wait, so you're telling me Dimitri Bivol, who, if we're being very direct about it, destroyed Canelo Alvarez. It was at 175, but he destroyed Canelo Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Just on paper, right? Mm-hmm. Casual, casual. And they're hearing this, and they're like, wait, so he destroyed Canelo Alvarez. All he has to do is go down one weight class or... Take on Archer Betterbeeve, who has knocked out everybody he's faced. Mm-hmm. It it like it is kind of funny just to think about like which is the safer route of the two when neither of them are very safe. Let's be clear about this. Better Betterbeeve is you know, can't think of another word in the ring. That dude is an asshole. All right. <laughs> he is a professional hard nosed coming to knock your face off asshole and then canelo has succeeded at 168 throughout his career and looked really damn good my point being neither are cakewalks it's just a matter of what is bivel comfortable doing and will his promoters be able to say yeah i concede on that eddie Hearn, by the way is hyping all of this up like crazy the better be fight he said, uh, better beef is a lot more clever than people realize with the little bits of work that he does. He's incredibly strong and he's a great puncher and better beef. Bivol is probably the best fight in boxing right now. I think so with fights like that, you get a bit bored with them. I feel like people are a bit bored talking about Errol Spence, Terrence Bud Crawford. Maybe it's just me. Listen, if that fight got made, I'd be buzzing. But right now, better beef Bivol excites me more than Spence Crawford. As you stated, Eddie's a promoter. Eddie's going to do his thing throughout the media. He has a charm, as you stated. I concur. Errol Spence, Terrence Bud Crawford is still the fight to make, even if we don't believe it's going to be made within the next year or two. Remains to be seen, but... As Britain has said, as I have said, as you're listening to this, we are here to separate the hairs, right? We are here to just give it to you straight, no chase. So if if you see something like this from Eddie Hearn, just know there is a reason he is saying this and putting down one Spence Crawford fight to promote another, for lack of a better word. Hey, it's Rick. 
We just want to give a special thank you for supporting our show and our vision on the world of boxing. Now don't be like Curtis Harper and show up without contributing, y'all. Drop us a follow. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. Tell us how awesome and handsome we are if you want to. And let's build this great community from the ground up. We love you and appreciate you. See you next time.